Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is Y'all Heard. Woohoo! It's another episode. Ew. <laughs> A podcast where me, Marissa Phillips. And me, P. Phillips. Will never be related no matter how hard you wish. No matter how much you hope. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a show where uh, two friends come together um, and, and you, the listener, you're like in a dark, dark room and like you hear things and you're like, oh, is that is that one host? And then you're like, oh, I think I hear another host. And then what we do is we pull the switch. That's not the, the sound it makes. We pull the switch. <laughs> on the lamp and then we light up the room for you i don't think anyone could ever confuse the two of us because as i said one of the reasons why i never listen to anything we do is because i sound drunk all the time (laughs) in other words we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know uh pete how are you i'm fine but since we're recording i wanted to talk to you about this so you probably heard on double threat that they are doing video versions of their podcast. Yeah. If you subscribe to Forever Dog Plus. I already did, so I'm getting these videos free. So now I'm sitting at work. It's a, a, what, Monday, right? It's a Monday morning, and I'm like, oh, Double Threat. I get to listen to Double Threat today. But then I get an email that's like, hey, you want to watch the Double Threat video now? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm stuck at work, and I'm doing stuff, but I can have it on in the background, sure. So now I'm watching it, but not listening to it. And I think to answer the question that someone asked you a while ago about whether or not we do a video podcast, I know we answered it many different ways, but I think we don't want to provide you with the decision paralysis (laughs) (laughs) that would put you in the position that I'm in. So, Last Podcast on the Left also started doing this, and I, yeah, I subscribed to their Patreon. So, but weirdly, the video comes out before the podcast, because the video has, like, not the finalized audio. Okay. But also, I feel like, for some reason, watching them makes me not retain the information as much. Yeah. Or something. You know, I don't get it. I do, I do pause a lot more when I'm watching the video at work because like different things come in and I have to concentrate and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. So we're here to tell you that you'll never receive a video version of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless someone is paying us for it. <laughs> I guess if a Patreon requested that we do it, a patron, not a patron, requested that we do it one time, we'll do it one time, but no one has asked us yet. So nope. But it's kind of funny too. Cause, um, Tom Sharpling, Julie Klausner, I totally see like a you and me dynamic because he just shows up in a t-shirt <laughs> and then she's got full makeup. Her hair looks amazing. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. It would go out of but it's like, yeah, I mean, it's being recorded. What else would you expect? <laughs> yeah. That's fun. So let's not talk about our weeks. Let's hear from Alex. It appears that Alex might be catching up, but uh, if I'm reading this first message, right. I think that this is the best call we've ever gotten from Alex. Oh, God. Hi. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I just wish I were making this up. You're you're in one of my... This is Alex. You're in my favorite. I was about to order uh, takeout, and they're also in my favorite place. I was ordering from Umami Gorilla Recommended. Um, 
At any rate, I accidentally hit y'all heard instead of umami gorilla, and I'm <laughs> leaving a message to explain my pointless uh, voicemail that I'm leaving right now as I'm talking. Um, oh, and then, uh, sorry, I've like forgotten to call in the past few weeks. It's like I would have an idea for something to talk about, and then I would just get taken up with like chasing my kids around all weekend long, and there was never a dull moment, um, which is a shame because I've got some some gold about my time in the American public school system. Uh, if, if I can bring my thoughts together on that, I'll, I'll ping you. I, th- I think I'm going to listen to this week's episode first before I pick anything to talk about. Um, anyway, thanks for the show. See ya. Bye. I'm sorry. So, if I understood correctly, Alex was going to order food? Yes. And we're in his favorites and so is the food place. But I understood the name of the food place as Mommy Gorilla. Uma, I believe it's Umami. Umami Gorilla? Isn't that a food? Yeah, it is. I just want to make sure. Okay. That <laughs> I don't want you just trying to make me stupid by saying, Umami. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. The gorilla part I wanted to make sure was correct. Yeah. But, see, I actually thought it said Mummy Gorilla, but I was like, that's stupid. I guess No, mommy that would gorilla. obviously be Gorilla Mummy. <laughs> No, okay. Uh, that's pretty cool. I like that. So, that was the first uh, call from Alex, and here is the second related to staring at the sun. Ooh. Hi, this is Alex. Um, so, the recent episode on staring at the sun really uh, hit a note for me, but um, my story about it is just in this really bad category of stories. Okay, so... Um, I have two children who are named Small Child and Baby, and uh, for our purposes, they have regular names, um, but, you know, this is the internet, and I try not to be weird with my kids. Um, so, like, Small Child regularly does things that are very cute and funny. Like, at dinner last night, asks what it would be like if Data flew into the ceiling and got stuck in it, right? So that, that <laughs> is a pretty good kid story, right, talking about, you know, where this came from and what happens with with this charming little youngster who puts on his safety glasses and hard hat every day before breakfast. Um, he's, you know, just got these cute little tics and mannerisms and so on. Uh, but then there's also, like, the stories that um, we have about the, the dumb things that I come up with or, you know, things that I think would be funny to do with the kid, um, but where the, the funny part is me. And I guess what I'm saying is I've learned that um, – Stories about me and my kids are funny if they come from something that the kid has done and people find it charming. But if it's really driven by my own interests and it's like the child is coming along, the story just falls apart. Uh, so here we go. Um, the, ba- the baby does not have much of a personality because baby is just a baby. Um, but, but we do this thing where we pretend that he can talk and it's really just me talking in a stupid voice. And um, so we like to pretend that the baby, uh, his favorite thing is the sun, and he loves the sun, and he wants to eat the sun because it's the shiniest thing. And um, a small child sometimes gets really mad at the idea that baby will eat the sun. So again, this is me, an adult, talking in a funny voice, pretending to be a baby who wants to eat the sun. And then small child gets mad and is afraid that it'll be dark forever. And... Um, and that's my story about eating the sun. We pretend that my baby wants to eat the sun and loves the sun and likes to stare at the sun because it's the shiniest thing. 
and it was a terrible story because I feel like the point of all of this is that stories about kids can be pretty funny if the interesting thing is coming from the kid, but if the interesting thing is coming from the grown-up, then it's just cheesy and kind of stupid. All right, thanks for the show. Bye. No, it's not a bad story. It's not, no. And where you came to that in your mind and how that plays out. Like, I want to hear a monologue and or dialogue (laughs) that involves this. Also, I don't live in Wilkes-Barre, but if I did... We, I would want to try and get Alex to invite us for dinner with his family. At Umami Gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> umami Gorilla sounds too unique of a restaurant. To it, be does, able to it does, it does. Uh, immediately I was like, that can't be around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, the, I, I, like, the other thing that comes to, like, first of all, eating the sun, that's amazing. A baby eating the sun is even better. Um, yeah. a, a baby with no personality eating the sun, amazing. Also, <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, but yeah, then it makes me think of like the baby representing darkness, and oh. and the little kid, rep- the little child—is that what it was called? Small child representing yeah. um the light <laughs> and the rivalry that they will have. <laughs> Uh, Alex, also, you should consider calling in and letting us hear what the baby voice is. I really was hoping that we were going to get it, but (laughs) (laughs) I will not put you on blast, Alex, but Marissa certainly will. (laughs) Is that the last of our Alex calls? Yes. Thank you, Alex. When we didn't get a call from you for a week, I was like, do we suck? Did he stop listening? He's our only I'm also thinking now too, like when kids rebel against what their parents have projected onto them, uh-huh. and then and then it becomes Alex's baby's mission to eat the moon. <laughs> I love that. Which, by the way, your baby will find is indeed made of cheese. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Oh, I thought you meant your topic was going to be about that. Never mind. No, for me. <laughs> It um, would be, okay. but I already did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, before I do an icebreaker, I'm not going to go into how my week is, but there was just one thing I wanted to tell you that I was going to say at that point, in that someone almost died in my boyfriend's hospital, and he said, like, oh, my attending said that I should bring up the case at our what was it uh our more ah, shit it's not morbid and wait uh, mortality and yeah. and morbid- our at our mortality and morbidity convention and i was like oh my god can i go what is that <laughs> no that's just every month we sit around and talk about people who died as our cases. But I was like, so that sounds like a convention with like morticians yeah. and like like funeral owners and doctors. Keynote and speaker I- is Morbius. <laughs> yeah. And I got so excited. And he just like shook his head and was like, uh, cure something. But man, I don't know, I want that to exist, and I want to go. But anyway. Icebreaker. 
Pete, here's an icebreaker. Build an adult, an ideal adult Easter basket that you would receive. You have to tell me at least three items. Okay. But they kind of to go by the concept of like Easter baskets don't have items that are five thousand dollars in them. Well, yeah. They're little things that like. Oh, let me take the Tesla out of my Easter basket then. Yeah, I mean, like, don't say something like wild, and don't say like peace on earth. So it has to be objects. Can't put that in a basket. Expensive fit in a basket. The basket itself is the basket is going to be made out of chocolate. Okay. So that we can have some, you know, like traditional stuff there, Uh, like traditional Easter candy type thing going on. Okay. Inside, there's going to be. Uh, one bottle of screwball bourbon, which is the peanut butter flavored bourbon that I like. Okay. There's also going to be three vouchers, just so I don't go crazy, you know. Three vouchers mm-hmm. for a day off from work. Nice. Um, and the third thing would be a responsible pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you said a responsible pair of shoes. I'm not saying this to be funny. I was like, how the fuck do you judge if a shoe is responsible? And then I understood what you meant. Yeah, no, I was trying to think of a third thing, but uh, that came to mind. So that's that's going to be in my Easter basket now. If we were sponsored, I would be like, you know, it's a responsible pair of shoes. Rothy's or some shit like that. <laughs> Either all birds or Rothy's, I feel like, are on every podcast but us. Um, I would have... So the last Easter basket I received was, like, in my teens. And I always try to convince my mother, since I'm not married and I don't have children, she should buy me one again. <laughs> but that's no. But the last one I had had a bunch of tabloid magazines, which was, like, beautiful. So I would want a stack of tabloid magazines that could fit in the basket. Um, I want a holographic, not holographic. Yeah, it's holographic, not a hologram, but like where it's like iridescent and shimmery and shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want a holographic basket uh, filled with tablet magazines. Um, um, Blackberry Bokbunja, which is a Korean wine. And, um, and I just, I guess just a... Responsible a pair of shoes? No. Okay, pack, okay. I want a, a Russell Stover four-pack of sugar-free chocolate. Okay. That's it. Keep it simple. you got to get her a four-pack, guys, because if you get more than a four-pack, she's going to eat more than a four-pack, and then she's going to have the shits, okay? Yes. This is what that sugar-free is- candy does to people. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to be like, oh, I want a whole bunch. I was like, No. But Pete is wrong. I wish it gave me the shit. <laughs> if it gave me the shits, I would eat them all the time. It will just give me gas, and I will never shit. And it will ruin my day. So, if anyone listening wants to buy me what I just said, I wouldn't say no. If anyone listening wants to give this information to my boyfriend before Easter, I wouldn't say no. And if anyone wants to give this information to any of my family members, I wouldn't say no. Okay. Anyway. 
oh, you know, if I was going to tell your parents, I might hop in my car, drive on down, and tell them in person. Oh, is this going to be a really long, convoluted segue? <laughs> I feel like that's what that was. Last time I did a topic on Neo... Wait, Lund- I'm sorry. On my parents, you would call them. <laughs> anyway, continue. I don't know their phone number, but I do know where they live. <laughs> okay, true. <laughs> um, last time when I did Neo-Luddism... Um, that was something that was on my like list of things to do for a while. This today is also on that list, and I just haven't covered it because I really didn't think that there was a m- enough out there about it. But um, while driving to your parents' house, <laughs> I might okay. find myself on the road behind a car that has a memorial decal on it. Oh, my God. This is out of control. Your segue has become out of control. <laughs> Just go into the topic. I can still recall the first time that I saw a memorial decal on a car in a Wendy's parking lot. It stunned me. The memorial to me isn't the stunning part. It's where you've put it on a car. In this case, in this case, it also wasn't an impressive car. But um, what we're talking about is, let me see. I've never, no one I know has, no one close to me has died in case you're like, why don't you know what this is? No one, no one I know has died. <laughs> no, no one close to me has died. Um, I've never been to a funeral. I only, like, Google Images is only showing me small ones, but I'm going to send one of them to you anyway. Okay. Where do they normally go? They usually end up on the back, in the back window of a car. Okay. So let me see if I can chat this over to you. I'm sorry, last question. Back window of any of any car or of the hearse? Any car. It's in memoriam of a dead person? Yeah. Got, oh. That's, oh. That's a common thing? So this is the thing. For me, I feel like... I don't it like could them. just be like one of those things. Like for me, I feel like I see them all the time. I really don't like that. I don't like the saying. I want everyone <laughs> to know what it says. Pete sent me a, a memorial decal that says, your wings were ready, but my heart was not. I hate that. It's so depressing. <laughs> Why would you want your car to always say that? <laughs> You're making my point. Thank you. <laughs> and there are some of these... That will stretch across the whole entire window, like in the back of a truck cab or in the back of an SUV, um, sometimes the back window of just like a regular sedan type of car. Um, uh-huh. So sometimes you'll see small ones that'll just be like Joe Smith, 1975 to 2020, uh, with like yeah, a little angel or something yeah. like that. But I'm talking about the ones that are like in loving memory of Joe Smith, beloved father, 1975 to 2020. To me, that goes on a on a gravestone. <laughs> also, like, doesn't that kind of obstruct your view? I, apparently, not enough that people. And I would love that if I were a cop and it, I thought it was obstructing your view. Yeah, I'm gonna pull you over, and you're gonna cry to me about how somebody you love is dead. <laughs> Can I put in my will that if I die before you, you have to put a sticker on your car? No, because I'm not going to. (laughs) 
Marissa Phillips. She was unhinged, but she was fun. <laughs> That's why I want to be remembered, but continue. I'm working off of two articles. I believe one is from MSNBC and the other one is from the New York Times. Andre Lugo stood among the white marble headstones and watched the soldiers salute as they lined up next to his father's coffin at Arlington National Cemetery. He listened to the guns firing 21 times in solemn tribute. But when he looked back at the funeral a month later, it seemed as if something was missing. So one day, Lugo, 21, came home and told his mother he wanted to show her something. On the back of his souped-up Ford Expedition, nearly the entire rear, view win rear window was covered with a decal with silver script in loving memory of CSM retired Edward Hugo, Edward H. Lugo, excuse me. February 16th, 1951 to March 15th, 2004. Okay. And his mom cried. I'm not making fun of his mom. Yeah. But his mom cried. I feel like it's an inappropriate response, but also my spouse has not died. <laughs> so when I read this, like uh, when you put that on the, like, like if somebody died and they like, volunteered at a place that you go to all the time like like let's say you, you you know somebody you love dies and you go you know what we used to love going to the park i'm gonna get a bench at the park and i want to yeah. put a like you know in loving memory of so and so to me it's like you're dedicating that bench to that person yeah so to me i read these car decals as you are dedicating your car to the dead person <laughs> which also uh. makes me go like like, did the dead person help you get this car? So the logical explanation that I came up with is every time I see one of these things, I think that the person, this is the first thought I have every single time because it was the most logical decision I, or, you know, like conclusion I could come to. It's that a person died and they left the driver a bunch of money and that person bought a new car no. and in order to commemorate it, they put this decal on the back. No, people really like their cars, and they're probably like, oh, people can see this. I will be honest, and no offense if any of our listeners do this, I find it very tacky, and I would rather, like, get a tattoo on my body, or just, like, I don't know, but I, I guess I just don't give a shit about cars, and, and decals on cars always look stupid. Like, I, I just think it's dumb, but yeah, continue. When David Atkinson, a high school senior from Palm Desert, California, died in a car accident in oh, April, no. one of the first things his brother and friends did was designing his memorial decal. They came up with two designs, working on a computer at a de decal kiosk in a local mall. And the day before the funeral, they presented them to his parents. Friends and family members could buy their own at the kiosk, where the design was kept on file. Arturo Ramirez of Cathedral City, California, who expressed his grief over the death of his friend Eddie Zamores in a car crash on October 2004, um, he expressed his grief by having 50 car decals printed at $5.50 apiece. Leanne Fuller, the girlfriend of Ernie Zamores, the deceased person, said that the decals were the most efficient way to get the word out about his death. He had friends from high school who didn't hear anything on the news, and they see the car and know that he died, 
she said, adding that she will adding that she will keep the decal on her Honda Civic until it falls off. But also, like, no one's going to see that decal unless she stopped in front of them at a drive-thru McDonald's. So like, you can, if you if you have the really big ones, you can see them, you can see them pretty well. You know what? That's not the most efficient way. If they knew him even <laughs> tangentially, he they would fucking see his Facebook. Mm-hmm. That would make more sense. Pete, this is a culture I didn't know existed in <laughs> So what's going on here? Those, yeah, who study, <laughs> those who study the way societies process death see the decals as yet another iteration of an increasingly mobile and transient America. We I try to keep... take the way our country processes death, and this just proves that we're all a bunch of fucking morons. <laughs> we try to keep track of our dead, said Thomas Lynch, an undertaker and poet in Milford, Michigan, which means an undertaker in Milford, Michigan, <laughs> who has written two books on the culture of death. We're the only species that does keep track of their dead. There's no, there's a need to name the loss and give it some texture. The decals, Mr. Lynch said, are bringing the cemetery to the freeway. Holy shit, I hate this topic. <laughs> like, Holy the man is a poet. You, he couldn't have rephrased that better? <laughs> like, Guys, I, I just want to say... I, I told you that I haven't lost anyone. So, like, you might be thinking, like, yeah, whatever. Like, you just don't get it. The thing is, like, I know if anyone I know close to me, when they die, I will lose it. But I have a lot of problems with the way Americans have funerals, the way we honor the dead. Just, I have, I take death very seriously. In, and I'm, I do not. I think there are better ways and more honorable ways to do it. So it's not that I'm just like being flippant and being like, fuck it, whatever, that's stupid. But I'm just saying like, there are better ways. Also, important asterisk, Marissa doesn't have a car. Yeah, also that. <laughs> and if I did, like, I don't like the car enough or care enough for to feel like it's this like beautiful memorial. So, Marissa, um, for the sake of this episode, yes, I am indeed talking about people, but if someone gave you a decal commemorating Tanya, would you oh, put God. that on a car? But, okay, let's go back to the fact Because those do exist. <laughs> okay, let me think, let me think. I don't know. No, but I think, but like- I think the important distinction in, in this one, situation that I'm giving you is somebody gave it to you, so you might feel obligated to do it anyway. <laughs> You're not going yeah. out and making it yourself. <laughs> I think I might if someone gave it to me. Um, also, I will say, though, another reason why I don't like doing things like that is because I, like, I'm very superstitious in very random ways. And I think if I, like, got in a car accident with the decal car or, like, I sold the car, I'd feel real bad. Yeah. Like, I would feel bad that I'm, like, just throwing away their their memorial as you scrape the the decal yeah. off of your window <laughs> yeah it like cheapens it that just seems like a really cheap way to honor someone i don't know it took a strange culture cultural mix to get to this stage in the evolution of mourning in recent decades counselors led by psychiatrist elizabeth kubler ross helped bring death out into the open the message changed from don't dwell on grief to it's okay to keep looking back. Now there are funeral videos, roadside memorials, personalized caskets, 
and of course, yeah, memorial decals. <laughs> well, like, okay, fine. We're we're being more open and honest about death and grieving, but I'm going to assume it's still not culturally acceptable if I go into mourning for a whole year and wear a veil on my face and dress all in black, right? I mean, it's going to make people uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, so my point is, like, like, we're really not as, like, we're not as evolved or, like, open-minded about death as we think we are. Because I honestly think the old-fashioned ways of doing it where you, like, really gave it a whole year to be like, I'm fucking grieving. Like, leave me alone. I feel like that's the right way to do it. And that's, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, continue. So, for me personally, I understand a roadside memorial at, like, an accident location. I often feel bad for people when I see those. Mm -hmm. uh, Because... Like, they fall apart over time. Like, nobody's making these out of materials that are going to, you know, stay there forever. Yeah. And they can't because, like, they need to get a permit and stuff. Um, But just like these memorials can break down with time, so can cars. (laughs) As Marissa alluded, you could even die in a car accident that you (laughs) are memorializing someone on. That's upsetting. And I... Don't like tattoos, but like Marissa said, a tattoo feels more personal, more permanent, too. Mm-hmm. So few people that I could find online complain about this. And most of the people that that are brave enough, <laughs> that are hashtag brave enough <laughs> to uh. complain about it, are met with responses like, to each their own, or it's not harming me, so I don't care if somebody wants to do this. Well, yeah, definitely to each their own. I don't like it, but yeah, like, you do you, but please don't ever put me on a fucking decal. And in my heart, I kind of agree with that. But I think Mike Adelic on TalkBase.com's forums... God, that upset me. (laughs) uh, Put one possibility a little plainly in an off-topic thread. Obviously, it bothers me. I certainly do not wish to trivialize anyone's grief. I personally would find it a bit demeaning to be memorialized on a hunk of moving metal, decaying every day until it is in a junkyard. Yes. <laughs> Gravestones, permanent placards, even metal signs in a meaningful or appropriate place is to be expected. But really, what is the deal with this? <laughs> sure, yes. newspapers are falling by the wayside, but there's always online obituary slash memorial sites. I don't feel that most people have lived exceptional, this is a little tough, exceptional enough lives that their survivors have to parade their existence around oh, in traffic to, okay, people, nasty. I don't like that. to people who don't have a clue as to who they were. I think there is something to that last part. <laughs> if one I mean, has I, led, what? if one has led an admirable life in a quiet way, that's great. They should be remembered deeply and fondly by the people who knew them and were affected by them. But I'm afraid these displays say more about the insecurities and lack of decorum of the survivors. Am I being too harsh, or does anyone else feel that there's just a little lack of class? So I think it's tacky. And I myself would not ever want to be on a decal if I died. Um, Not if I die. I'm sorry. I will (laughs) die. (laughs) Um, But I don't. I guess I didn't think about it in some sort of way where the person felt like they needed to parade the death of the other person. I kind of, like I said, I, I assumed it was like the person's in their car all the time and they just want to 
they just want to be like like a little prayer up to heaven to be like you know i love you mom or whatever and it's a constant reminder for them so i did think it was more for the person that person your story where the person said like oh these decals will let everyone in the community know they died i think that's insane because like i said there's facebook i think that's not a smart way to let everyone know also like i i would be more upset like i would rather know like an old friend of mine died in a post on facebook right what are you gonna do like sit by the car to wait to see who comes to it and go tell me what happened (laughs) yeah like do you imagine like someone who you thought was still alive like you're you're behind someone again in a mcdonald's drive-thru and you're like what the fuck like they fucking died like i find that a jarring way to spread the word so i i never thought it that way (laughs) pull over (laughs) yeah exactly what the fuck happened to susan for the person i don't know i just think it's a bizarre and i didn't know all these people were doing this yeah but again i mean like if you're listening and you're like i do it and it makes me feel good like no no shade to you if it makes you feel good i just can't relate to it in almost every way anything that happens after death is indicative of the mourners yeah there's nothing that a deceased person can do to stop an embarrassing or inappropriate tribute or an appropriate no, tribute could except haunting but like put it in their will and in their dying <laughs> wishes which i think of which all also time. don't always come to fruition Marissa. yeah and then everyone in their life is fucked up if they don't honor that, okay? I am a quiet mourner, but I also don't think that I mourn properly. But my friend Marissa says that you can't mourn improperly. So yeah. if you need a decal, then get one. And yeah. if you want to remember people as they were without a show, you can do that too. Yeah. Pete, you absolutely mourn the proper way. Because <laughs> to me, I said, like I said... Uh, I think the proper way is to fucking dress in black and put a veil. Again, I've never been in mourning for a family member, but I will be so upset that I will want to do that. But I know that culture will not let that happen appropriately. And like, or I don't even want to go to a funeral because I feel like a funeral will never do the person's life justice. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I will be considered insensitive or cruel if I don't go to someone's funeral. So my point is, yeah, culture dictates it, but I don't think culture dictates the proper way to mourn. I think just we all suck. We'll continue. <laughs> I do wonder sometimes, like, is moving on from someone's death and remembering them the way that they were, like, is that different than having this constant reminder come up and and tell you, you know, like... Yeah, like you said, every time you look in the rearview mirror, every time you get in your car, you're looking at this and seeing it. Um, I don't know which one is healthier, and maybe neither one is healthier, depending on who you are and what you're trying to do. But uh, it's definitely an interesting phenomenon that I remember uh, discovering, and it's always baffled me. And like I said, the fact that somebody died and you took the inheritance and put a down payment on a car, that's the only thats the only way that this makes sense to me, that your car is in memorial. I do not think that is what is happening. Most no, because that means everybody's dropping dead and getting money to buy cars. <laughs> I mean, that would be fascinating. Um, yeah, I guess my way to be like, yeah, I guess it's fine is, 
or not again not that it's not fine if it makes you feel better it is absolutely fine but i guess like what i'm saying is like like i would think it would be like a jarring reminder but like i said maybe some people view it as like a little prayer or like just a little like sending up a quick like hey i'm thinking of you in heaven not necessarily a let's remember my sister died on this day yeah. like i don't know it's just it's very interesting yeah. I didn't dip it, dig into this part, but um, one of the people in one of the articles described how they saw somebody who had a decal on their car that was um, related to their marriage, and it had mm -hmm. his name and her name when they got married, and it had a picture of them on their wedding day in the middle. <laughs> so people can wow. get decals of whatever the hell they want. <laughs> yeah, I think it just... I think it's just like a car customization and I feel bad saying that, but I almost feel like that's just a form of car customization and they're just like, Oh, you know, I miss my sister. Let me put her on my car. Like, I don't, I don't know. People will put hey. all sorts of in their car. Calvin and, or hot, no, <laughs> Calvin. I don't know. And I just have a y'all heard dot me license plate frame. <laughs> I, if I ever get a car again, I'm never putting anything on it because I always think about police pulling me over and how dumb I'll feel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Plugs. Anyway. So is there anything you, that you would like to plug this week, Marissa? So I just did, if you're a patron, uh, soon you will, or eventually, I don't know when. Cause, um, Actually, this coming Monday. Oh, okay. So the God bless please does all the tech stuff. Um, I just did a new Marissa reviews. Of it's what amazing, I guys. It's amazing. Wait, the one I just did, or are you talking about something else? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Are you making fun of me? No, I'm not making fun of you. I'm going to say, like, Marissa's review of the show is very fun and jovial, but Marissa's going to probably tell you about the show right now, and it sounds amazing. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I, I will tell you. 100%. Um, well, I did say, I, I think I did think that The Bust Down uh, was my favorite show so far of 2022. I will have to say this one is, because I was in a dark place yesterday, and I just watched one episode, and it just brought me so much joy. Uh, so basically, my plug is the show Old Enough! Exclamation point on Netflix. Um, I actually, it's a very popular show in Japan. I think it, it might still be going on, but Netflix just bought like a handful of episodes. I don't want to go too deep into it. Save that for the paywall. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I go into a full review on uh, Patreon. But <laughs> the basic premise is tiny children. And I specifically word it that way is because. Like Alex's children. Like two to the oldest I saw is four, but they're usually two or three year olds. Yeah. And these are Japanese children. It's subtitled, but it's totally worth it, even if you don't like reading subtitles. Uh, tiny children are sent on errands all on their own. And I was telling my parents about this because I was like, got to watch this. And my mother's like, that's not that's not real. A two year old can't do that. I'll get into details. But um, I was reading all about it. How much effort is put into each episode. There are adults like hidden along the entire path the child goes on. Everyone is looking out for the child's well-being. It is a well-thought-out reality show where a tiny child has to go on an errand all by themselves, and it could range from 
The child has to go to the supermarket and buy three things. Um, the child has to bring a pail of fresh fish to the fishmonger so it can get cut into sashimi. Or the child needs to go to a temple and guide a priest to their home on the anniversary <laughs> of one of their relatives' death. And it's as ridiculous as you think. Like, a kid might be really, like, with it and competent, or the kid might forget what they need to do, or the kid might spend all their money on something they want and not on what their parent wants. Or the kid just... Oh, God. Just, Pete, please watch an episode for me. <laughs> but when you were and saying in the review, like, uh, sometimes they just forget why they're there. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, gosh, that sounds so relatable. <laughs> so great. The mother says this one kid... For one thing, the kid just, like, forgets what they need to get and just picks the prettiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Brings it home. Uh, yeah. Fascinating show. And if you're like, eh, I don't know, know that every episode is, like, 12 to 15 minutes. My favorite one that I think about on the daily is 21 minutes because it's such a fucking saga. And that's the one I'm going to ask Pete to watch mm -hmm. because it's amazing. It's very Sisyphean. Uh, Yes, it's fantastic. But guys, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It is heartwarming. It is funny. It is shocking. It is so many things at once. So it's called Old Enough. How about you, Pete? Um, season two of Truth Hounds, the podcast, mm -hmm. is out right now. It's a hundred percent an acquired taste, but it's just as unusual and strange as um as Marissa's describing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I said, is anything you recommend to us? <laughs> um, in the first episode, they talk about how they wanted to, like, get more fans and they kind of, like, try all these different things and they ask, like, they sit people down and say, like, why don't you listen to our podcast? Um, and Ow. they get feedback and stuff like that. And, uh, and they end up skydiving to try to get listeners. <laughs> what? But ultimately, at the end of the show, the point is, like, the people who like our show are already here, and we should, you know, like, speak to them and not try to, like, pander to other people who want, you know, a show that's like every other show out there. Yeah. In the second one, they, um, I have to listen to the second part of the episode, but, uh, they wanted to get into a horror convention because they wanted to meet the person who organized it. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so they... Did it go fund me and they made like a few hundred bucks and they are making a movie and stuff. Um, I'm sorry, it, what is the overall concept of this podcast? It feels more formed than last season, but the concept of the podcast is that they investigate things. They are oh. the truth hounds and they will discover the truth behind, you know. Uh, yeah. So like last season, they did like, you know, um, why does time fly? Uh, they did like, why are some people just mean? Um, different things like that, but it turns into, you know, fun episodes. But again, like I said, it is an acquired taste because their pacing is so slow <laughs> that you might oh. just lose interest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Speaking cool. of slow, if you slowly move your finger across the numbers on your phone and you dial 570-PODWAD1, you could call us like Alex did, or you could text us. Yeah. Um... You can also slide into my DMs at Wrist Vandal. Um, if you have 
a memorial decal on your car, tell Send us. Send us what- a picture. Yes, please do. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Pete, you said you don't want anyone to email us anymore? Shout at yallheard.me. Oh. Some reason I thought you said not to do that. I got confused. Uh, um, you know, review us, join our Patreon. Yeah. And you know what? I was looking at our reviews again today, and sometimes I'm still upset by the one star. And I'm like, who cares? We're never going to win you over. Fuck that you. Was, that was the starting point for the second season, the, the first episode of the second season of Truth Hounds. They had a one-star review. The person didn't leave a name, and they didn't leave any feedback. So they basically had the conversation that we had when we first got that, which is like, like, what are we supposed to change? You didn't even tell us what we're doing wrong. No. <laughs> If you're listening, which if you're the person who gave us a one star review and you're still listening, you're a psychopath. <laughs> but if you're still lis- if you're listening and you were the person who gave us a one star review, I'd love fuck to have off. A <laughs> oh, okay, fuck off. Honestly, I'd love to have a conversation. But uh, actually, I probably wouldn't. I take it back. But anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. And smell you later. Yes, yeah, smell you later. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.